Hey everybody, it's Chris and Rick Takatars, and this is a special day because it's our first interview. And it's not only our first interview, but it's with somebody we really, really dig, Jay Boone, sole proprietor of Emerald City Guitars here in Seattle, Washington. Uh, Jay, tell the folks a little bit about you. Well, hey guys. Uh, wow, I didn't realize I was your first like real interview, so I, I'm truly honored. And by the way, uh, I've listened to several of your podcast and I just I love the way you guys interact with each other it's hilarious uh, so anyway uh, a little bit about me I'm a Washington guy been in Seattle a long time uh, opened up my shop in 1996 which wow it's almost 25 years ago I love uh, it. so you know, played music all my life a music lover um, moved up to Seattle in 1980 with a band and played music and kind of did a bunch of cool stuff, except never made any money at the end of the deal. So I had to figure out a way to make a living. And thus, the beginning of Emerald City Guitars. That's awesome, dude. Well, what what got you into music in the first place? I mean, you grew up in Raymond, Washington, right? Which is a logging town, kind of like far away from any musical epicenters. What What got you into music? Yeah, Southwest Washington, man. I'm a small town boy. <laughs> uh, you know, it's... As far back as I can remember, I was always enamored by guitars. I mean, I remember being like five or six years old and, you know, going to friends' houses with my mom and dad and all the kids and get together. And, you know, if there ever was an old guitar laying around, I'd just be drawn to it. So just always in my brain, I was attracted to guitars. And then for me, I was born in 1954, so I was right there when rock and roll kind of was born. I remember I heard a Beatles song on a transistor radio in our kitchen, our family kitchen on the way to school, just the way it blasted out of the radio. I think it was She Loves You. <laughs> and it just, it blew my mind. And Beatlemania kind of hit. And then, of course, everybody wanted a guitar. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's so cool. What was your first guitar? Did you get, did you start playing guitar, six string guitar, or did you start out with bass? Yeah, no, I started playing six string guitar. And, uh, you know, in Raymond, it was really hard to to find guitars, uh, let alone strings or picks or anything like that. So there was like a kid who had a guitar in the fourth grade or something. And I think I talked him into playing drums so I could like kipe his guitar and, and take over. And I think my first official guitar was a Silvertone, you know, like a Bobcat. You guys, I'm sure you guys have had those. Oh, yeah. I think I've heard you talk about those guitars on your, your podcast. But yeah, a series of... Uh, cheap catalog guitars uh, until I finally got my hands on an SG. I think when I was about 17 years old, that was my first real guitar. Nice. That's a great first guitar. I mean, for a real guitar. I mean, yeah. You know what year it was? The, the guitar? You know, that's a good question. I wasn't really into the, the breaking down and, and the anatomy of guitars back then, but yeah. let's see, that probably would have been about 1970. So it was probably a, a late 60s SG or something. But yeah, I, I have no idea. I wish I had that guitar now. I also had an old Epiphone Riviera, which was an amazing guitar too. And it was a like a 1966 or something. Really, really cool piece. That's awesome, man. We'll talk a little bit more about your shop, man. Uh, Jay owns what I think is, is probably one of the coolest guitar shops around. Uh, as he said, it's been there almost 25 years now, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, man. So talk a little bit more about the shop and what you guys have been going through lately with uh, COVID, man. Um, how are things going? 
Well, to kind of get first part of your question, uh, and by the way, thanks for the the high compliment, Rick. And, and God, you guys both have history down there, and uh, I love you guys, man. And then Rick, I remember you and me like sitting in your mom and dad's spare bedroom, like you you helping me put together my business plan. And those were some great times, yeah. man. The early early days of Emerald City Guitars, you were right there, man. And I'll, I'll always I'll always hold that near and dear to me, man. And and Chris. It. Chris, man, it was it was so cool having you down there as well, repairing and just being like a guy that you were really helpful, Chris, because back in the early days, you know, I knew a little bit about guitars and stuff, but I was kind of winging it a little bit, you know, because I was kind of just a musician trying to start a retail business. And although I'd had a lot of experience with the guitars and been in the music retail, never, never like vintage guitars, you know, pre-owned guitars, a lot of like new products and so forth. So Chris, you genuinely had a love for guitars and tinkering and taking things apart, man. And uh, that was really cool to have a guy like you around. So yeah, you guys were right there at the beginning. So it, it just kind of, God, it just kind of caught fire, you know, the timing and everything, the location and just the whole vibe of the thing that we were able to put together. And then for me, just kind of surrounding myself with a lot of cool cats like yourselves, uh, just helped me grow that, you know, and always been a people guy, you know, love entertaining folks and had a lot of great folks come in on tour and stuff over the years and uh, family owned business. So the kids kind of grew up in there too. And you guys know Trevor, he's kind of has become a, a big part of the shop as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, and hopefully he'll be carrying the torch for many years to come when they put me out to pasture. <laughs> <laughs> which might not be too far from now. So yeah, it's God, what a wonderful journey, man. I've got to meet every guitar hero practically I ever wanted to meet down there, except Eddie Van Halen. Our oh, rest man, peace, Eddie. Moment of silence for him. Totally, uh, man. But yeah, God, what a, what a great deal to kind of have Joe Walsh walk in your store, throw your arm around him or sit down and have a little spiritual conversation with Santana or have Billy Gibbons share a diet Coke with you, even though he's <laughs> skinny as a toothpick. You know? <laughs> I love it. Talk more about some of the things you remember about the shop, about not, not just big time players that come through, but for me, the thing that always struck me are the people that came through with just stories about their gear, you know, like just somebody that I, I think I remember this couple, I think, you told me about him that the got the what the wife bought him this Gretsch like in the fifties, and they came into the shop to sell it, and I think you sold it, and then they came back and said, "Hey, we we changed our mind, yeah, <laughs> or something like that." But talk a little bit about some of these stories, because uh, that's part of the know. cool part about guitars is just the the history, the stories, all the stuff that accompanies them, you know. Oh, man, I, I'm kind of laughing while you're talking, Rick, because you've been down there many times and said, <laughs> I've seen a lot of characters come through. And, you know, the rock stars and the high profile guys are great. But, God, my favorite people are just the just the regular guys that walk in, man. And, and there are so many characters. I mean, you remember Patty and Precious, that yep. whole thing. <laughs> we, we, people get like locked into us and, and we really develop these kinships with them and it's really weird because they kind of have a life expectancy, you know, like I've been there 25 years and I think about these people, let's say Patty and Precious who had their two or three year time down there and then you never see them again, you know, but right. when you're locked in with these people, they, they go out of their way sometimes to uh, cater to you or just make, 
I don't know, make your experience special for not only them, but yourself. And it, it's it's really kind of endearing and charming a lot of times. But at the same time, I met a lot of psychos down there that... Uh, <laughs> 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 but, uh, <laughs> and Chris, you know what I'm talking about, too. I know you you spent enough time down there, but God, I've just met some of the coolest folks. And, and you know, a lot of the a lot of local Northwest luminaries have actually worked down there besides yourself. We've had, you know, the Henry Coopers, the John Rodericks, the yeah. Billy, Billy Joe Hewells, Ron Heathman list goes on and on, you know, and it's just, God, what a wonderful thing, man, to just look back and have such great memories, man. It's amazing how time kind of passes and how many experiences there are, you know, I love it. The thing that I'm always interested in too is like, how do you find all these guitars or all these these pieces of gear? I mean, do you? I mean, I'm sure maybe it's a mix of things, but talk a little bit about like your journey in in seeking out all these pieces of gear that you're in the shop. Yeah, that's a good question, man. Uh, and I get asked that all the time. You know, where do you find all this stuff? <laughs> you know, it's kind of almost a mystical thing sometimes, and uh, you learn all these little things over the years what rabbit holes to go down and how to connect yourself with certain things. Uh, like for instance, when Henry Cooper worked there, um, he's a big telly guy. And those of you that don't know Henry Cooper, one of the finest slide guitarists, in my opinion, certainly in the Northwest, but probably in the world. Great yeah. guy. He uh, was a funny, intelligent cat. And, and he knows, he knows a lot about guitars and, you know, music and so forth. Henry used to do this thing when we'd get low on Telecasters. Henry would go, uh, hey, JB, let's plant a tele farm. <laughs> so we'd, we'd go through the whole shop and anything that looked like a tele, whether it was like a Hondo or or a PV, just if it was the shape of a tele, me and Henry would like put it in the middle of the floor and we'd start this little seed garden. And sure enough, over the course of the next week or two, tellies would start showing up. We'd just add them to this until we had like a dozen of them. Uh, another thing, too, is like you become kind of a magnet. I've told guys this before. I'm a guitar magnet because once you get the ball rolling, just the word of mouth and, you know, guy has a guitar like, well, what should I do with this old guitar? And then, you know, they'll mention our name. So you actually just kind of get this gravitational pull where guitars just start coming to you, you know, and the longer you're in the game, it just multiplies and gets stronger. And that and just having that peripheral vision anytime you're driving anywhere on a vacation you know your eyes just catch something you know you, oh grandma's attic ooh, <laughs> uh, ooh, goodwill store ooh, you know a guy in the corner with a guitar busking ooh, you know so it just kind of it kind of consumes you and and it just start to orbit around you and, and land in your lap a lot of times and and then other times too we we, we really get wrapped up in actively searching yeah stuff you know and following up heavy leads we get and dur during like times now one of the things i was kind of worried about during the pandemic was not only will the business like continue to thrive but how are we gonna how are we gonna find stuff because we're a used and vintage shop so it's not like we can call up fender and say yeah send us 30 guitars yeah. you know we right. part of our big deal is going out in the field you know and, and finding stuff so for us we've been like really lucky like a lot of the big time collectors we've catered to over the years we, we're always in touch with we've been fortunate that a few of them have been willing to unload some of their stuff so we've managed to make a few runs in the northwest and have uh guys ship his stuff and we've managed to keep our inventory levels up and uh just feel real fortunate you know that's awesome chris you got any questions for jay 
You know what I think would be kind of cool is if we went around the horn and we share one of our a memory from back in the old days. Oh of, yeah. And I'll start. I believe I may have been the third employee that you had down there. I started hanging out there and then just ended up working there somehow. But I know <laughs> Jane Schultz and I think part-time Rich Brisbow. And then I just started hanging out there. It was 96. I think it was fall of 96. So you opened in 96, did you say? Yeah, I opened in officially May of 96. Okay. So I got in early. And yeah. it was even in the time, I think I was there for two or three years. And in the time that I was down there, I saw massive changes from, you know, it was just that one long little room and then gradually just started punching through walls and <laughs> standing. But yeah, that was, I had so many great memories from them. It was like, I was this dude that's just carrying around all this useless, like gear knowledge that, you know, for, from the, you know, the nineties, the eighties and nineties. And so <laughs> I land in a place where it's like useful. So it was like, it was like a dream job down there. I later found out that retail just really isn't my bag. <laughs> but for the years I was down there, it was great. It was like the dream job, but my, and I'll add my one star, moment down there that I carry with me is you remember when Joe Strummer came in, right? Oh, yeah. That was like one of my idols. And it was great because we were in there talking to him. I was kind of sweeping and I kind of came over and was leaning on the counter. And there was some kid like trying out an app and he's doing like this Van Halen stuff in the background. And Joe Strummer just turns to me and makes this like wanky face and starts going diddly dee, diddly dee, diddly dee. <laughs> this little joke, but he was super cool. That's my starstruck memory. I mean, I think I, I met a lot of really cool people out there that I admired as professional musicians, but that was my one. Like I was starstruck by that encounter. Yeah, that was one of my faves too, Chris. And I think he passed away shortly after that too. Right? Yeah, like, he was he was playing with the Mescalitos, right? Somewhere yeah. like the Showbox or something. Yeah, great and guy. One, and one other thing I would add that I to this day I think probably used to really annoy you is once I was working there for a while. That's when we had like Henry come on and um, like Phil Hurley and it was like all these people who were like great players and really into gear. So the thing that I know that you had to deal with, Jay, is every time something cool would come in the store, one of us was jumping, I want that, I want that. <laughs> and you're like, I gotta, I gotta sell these things. We need something in there. But when you mentioned the telly farm, that's great because that's where my telly came from. Henry <laughs> set up the telly farm and then that that 52 reissue walked in like a, a day or two later and I snagged it. So you guys' farm grew me a telly. So thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so cool man yeah that is like you know a, a cool piece had come in and i'd see who how much money am i gonna make on this and then but all, all these other guys are like i want that and it's like damn there goes my profit margin <laughs> a great deal on that yeah <laughs> yeah can i take six months to pay it off and trade in my eight boss pedals <laughs> my pv bandit take that yeah <laughs> how about you ricky well, I, I Chris has told me that story, and I'm jealous. And well, my story is that I would be down at the shop, and I'd leave, and then I'd see that Lemmy came in, or some famous player that I would love to have just at least stared at and ogled from the counter. <laughs> That's my story. Is like it seems like I was just always moments away from being down at the shop when some really cool player came in and and was down there hanging with you guys, but. Uh, also, just like Chris was saying, just thinking back to the beginning, I, I remember, yeah, I just have fond memories of you starting that shop. And, and then you took me down to that location. I'm like, 
I was thinking like, is this, well, there's no parking. There's, how's he going to do this? And sure as shit, you, it's just cool to see how this place has blossomed over 25 years. And, and, and like you say, it's a family run business. Trevor, I remember Trevor being a little kid down there, not saying a word, just staring up at us like we're all crazy. And he's one of the greatest people, greatest players around. So yeah, it's just, it's fun to, uh, it's fun to be a part of that lore and that history and, and just fun to be in your circle, man. You're, we just, you know, we love you and it's great. So that's my story of never, never being in the right place at the right time. Well, Hey, we did get to hang with Lemmy backstage as you recall. (laughs) Oh my God. That, that's a highlight, dude. That's uh, a, yeah. What a guy. I appreciate that totally, man. Well, what, are there are there a couple stories that that stick out in your mind from the store? I mean, even from way back, just like, I mean, how you know? I'd love to just get inside your head and think, what were you thinking in those early years? Like, were you confident that you're going to make it work back in that location? Or, well, you know, you know how it is when you're you're really excited about something, and I just come out of kind of a dark period of my life, struggling with addiction and stuff, and I've shared this with you guys, and and I was getting my life back together, and I was 40 years old, and at that point, I'd been going along good for a couple of years, and I, I just kind of hatched this plan where I, I had this kind of moment where I said, well, what is my passion? What am I good at? You know, I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And all points kind of led to music. Uh-huh. Always been enamored by guitars and had some experience in that as well. And knew a lot of folks in the area. So I thought, I think I can make this happen. Keep it simple. Put together a little business plan. And so, you know, I went and got a, I think a $2,500 loan from Acme Loans because I had no credit. And it was like, yeah, you 2500 bucks, you pay it back in 30 days or Guido's going to come down and break your legs. <laughs> so I kind of... <laughs> But I needed that to uh, put a lease on this, well, the location we're at, the first little room that Chris was talking about, um, which had come up. And I kind of walked down there, and Base Northwest was around the corner, and I knew they were doing okay. And uh, I walked down there, and I'll never forget, there was a guy laying in front of the gate by the front door, passed out, and piss was running down the sidewalk. He was laying there, literally had pissed his pants. I kind of looked around and I went, yeah, this place is perfect. <laughs> so I, I ended up your home. Yeah. So I ended up uh, getting that location and God, you know, my, back then it was just like, wow, if I can just run this little shop and, and I had it all figured out, you know, in the little business plan, I had a three year projected deal. This will be great. I can make a living here. So it was pretty simple. And God, I love those days. They were just pioneer square. It was just a great vibe down there at that time. There was a lot of little, cool shops and bakeries and coffee shops before Starbucks came in and was on every corner. And it was just a cool bohemian vibe down there. And uh, it was just a really great place. People found their way down there, man. And it's they kind did, of become this iconic setting now. And uh, yeah, I hope we get to hang out there for a long time in the future. Well, yeah, I mean, give a couple highlights from your, from your memories about, maybe somebody came into the shop or just a, a cool story that that sticks in your mind about a piece of gear or whatever. I mean, you've seen it all down there, dude. I know, you know, there, there's, <laughs> there's so many that, you know, you try to think back 20 years, right? You know, it's like, wow. Okay. 
one of the first major rock stars that came in my store was Billy Gibbons. So the first time Billy Gibbons walked in the front door with the beard and the hat and and just this down to earth cat that we became really good friends and that was like surreal, you know, when when he walked in the door and uh, and we've had a long relationship over the years and I consider him a friend and so that was uh, that was a really cool moment. Um, Carlos Santana got a great rapport with him uh, I consider him a friend as well was a big moment probably one of my biggest like rock or I, I just kind of like was speechless was when um, them crooked vultures which was Dave Grohl on drums John Paul Jones on bass uh, Josh Homie from Queens of the Stone Age remember that band I think they yes. did one third. Yes. they were on tour and Josh was a big customer of ours for years before they even made it big. So he was down at the shop. They were playing the Paramount. And all of a sudden, he's on the phone. Next thing you know, Dave Grohl and John Paul Jones are walking in the door. And I don't know what it is, but when I saw John Paul Jones, I just got really flabbergasted. And I felt like a little schoolgirl about ready to wet my pants, man. I mean, I, I couldn't talk. I don't know, man. It's like, that's John Paul Jones. You know, and I've met some of the biggest rock stars in the world down there. But I don't know. That was... That was an aha moment I'll never forget. Um, Chris, I really definitely remember the uh, Joe Strummer thing. That's one of my favorite times, too, because he walked in the door and he just looked so British, man. He had like the long black kind of trench coat on and shades, you know, and and I'm looking at this guy and I'm going, God, who? At first, I thought, is that Elvis Costello? It's got to be one of these. Bri- who is that? I didn't recognize him at first. And and I just said, hey, man, what's going on? I'm Jay. And he goes, oh, Joe Strummer. I went, are you Joe Strummer? Are you kidding me? And he actually seemed kind of surprised that I even knew what he was. Cause it was, you know, ways after the clash. And he was so humble and so cool, man. That, that was, I'm a big fan of him. So anyway, that was, that was a really cool moment. And some of my best memories, though are honestly like some of the early days when like Cooper and Hurley and, you know, Brisbo, Four Hour Ramona, right? And and yeah. you guys, I mean, those were like the early, I think what made the foundation of this shop, having cool cats like that, not only working down there, but just hanging out. And it was kind of the place to be, you know. But God, there's, there's so many, so many great times. And being able to work with my son, Trevor, for the last 10 or 12 years, man, is been challenging but at the same time it's it's just like him and me think so much alike and he just he he grew up in that shop and watched me operate so he knows exactly how i think you know it's like we can finish each other's sentences and he knows exactly what i'm thinking when a guitar walks in how to act you know what and then you know just to touch on this real quick i'm probably rambling now but that's all right i have had the pleasure of getting some of the most amazing guitars that I would ever have dreamed of seeing come in this shop. Just the rarest. I mean, we've had like 30 or 40 bursts coming through our shop. We've had, you know, broadcasters, no casters, Blackguard Tellies, like the rarest amps. I mean, pre-war Martins, just crazy, crazy cool gear that, God, you know, 30 years ago, if you'd have told me I'd be laying my hands on these guitars, let alone having them in my shop, I'd have freaked out. 
so it's just been like god you know people go what's the coolest guitar you've ever had in the shop it's like god i don't know there's got to be like 500 right you know they're, they're not all just you know what you would expect a burst or a no cast or something some of them are just these like really quirky weird you know we had a uh rickenbacker el toro come in that is probably the rarest Rickenbacker I will ever see, or maybe that there there ever is. And it was like a prototype from 1958. And God, we threw it out on Instagram, and like 50 crazy Rickenbacker dealers around the world are like throwing meat into a shark tank, man. It's like <laughs> scooped it up, man. You know. And Chris, you talked earlier too about geeky knowledge. You guys, you know, on your on your podcast, you guys really like geek out on gear and stuff, which I love. Yeah. Uh, but you'd think that. Am I the only one that really likes to geek out of this gun? And you get into like what we do and answer emails and responses to like our YouTube channels and guys on the phone, man, there are guys so far beyond where we're at. that It's like, you know, they want to talk about like strange tubes and potentiometers and yeah. resistors and shit. It's like, yeah. dude, get a life. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question for you, Jay. That kind of goes along the lines of what we're discussing. But during your 25 years down there, name a couple of things that have come through where you personally, it's just been too cool for you not to, too cool for you to let go. Because I remember your big thing back in the day when I was there was this ain't a museum. So <laughs> you, you would try not to get too attached to stuff. You try to just get it in, let it go and get it into the hands of somebody. Is What's like maybe the top three things that have come through there that you said, I need this. I just have to have this. Yeah. Well, that's, you know, in 25 years, you can get something like that. And then, you know, 15 years later, you sell it to a guy because you can just get too much money for it. So, <laughs> but there are a couple things that I have. And dude, I got 80 guitars at my house, you know, and <laughs> I play, I play five of them, you know, and I don't have a burst. I don't have a blackguard. You know, I don't have anything like crazy, crazy here because, you know, I sell them because that's how we make a living. But um, I have a 1947 Southern Jumbo that has been with me for 20 years that I'll never sell. I'll pass it down to my boys. You know, that's just an amazing acoustic guitar. I've written a lot of songs on and I just it's a guitar I just go to and it's on a stand down in my living right now. I just strum it and find a lot of joy and it. it's a beautiful piece uh, i've got my my old p bass that is uh something i'll keep forever as well uh, i've got a uh, an old hoffner bass a 64 hoffner bass that i keep but other than that you know i got a couple like the guitars electric guitars i play or guitars made by our old buddy eric daw another yeah oh, yeah northwest great that worked at our shop for many years love you eric Hi, Eric. Uh, I got a couple of his pinup tellies that I, you know, I'm I'm not uh, a virtuoso on guitar, but I like playing guitar, and those are just they just fit me well. I love them. And other than that, like the other 75 guitars I got in my collection are really quirky, quirky things, and uh, some gems, and you know, I got some Harvey Thomas guitars put away. Uh, Usually the Harvey Thomas stuff, I got something about those guitars are just too weird. I, I got three or four of those in my collection that are just like kind of crazy. They're great. Yeah, I love those. You have the the cross one. Do you have one? Yeah, the Maltese cross. Yeah, the Ma the Mata Hoople guitar. That's cool. Yeah, That's yeah, really man. Cool. 
Yeah, the Ian Hunter one. So, yeah, it's always tempting, Chris. And, you know, there's been a few times over the years where I've said, oh, I'm going to take this one. I'll take it home. And then, you know, three years, five years later, we'll get a guy, man, if you ever run across a blah, 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 I'd pay anything for it. It's like, okay, time to pull that one out. (laughs) How attached am I to it, you know? But that's fun in itself. It's like managing a portfolio kind of, you know. Right. Well, I love it that you're drawn to quirky stuff because Chris and I sure are. I mean, we like strange guitars and funky guitars. What you guys do? Yeah, cheap stuff. One thing that I'm thinking about as you're talking, I'm reminded of, I remember going to the first few guitar shows that I ever went to at Emerald City Guitars and we'd come back with all this booty and everybody in the shop would be like, you know, everybody that worked in the shop just going like, oh, wow, a Super 400. Look, a Black Guard Telly. And I'm like, holy crap, a Mint Fender Lead 3. <laughs> like cheap stuff. Like the, my thing is always like the great deal, well-made guitar that's inexpensive under the radar or stuff like that. So I was always freaking out about that stuff and not the obvious stuff. I appreciated it, but I'm like, it just seemed not really attainable. To me, so I kind of like was getting obsessed about all the the cheap good deal stuff. Yeah, I know that that's you know the Firebrand SG. Yeah, no, totally. And those guitars, you know, there are guys that have eyes for those guitars. There's there's some great guitars, man. Yeah. That, you know, they're six or seven hundred dollars, you know, and they're classics. Yeah, American made, handmade guitars. Yeah. Yeah, I always like the. Uh, you ever play one of those Kappa guitars, Chris? Yes, back in the old days, there was yeah. Henry kind of turned me on to those. A strat-shaped number, I remember. It was really, really well made too. Those are, um, yeah, I I know the story of those. Those are like I think it's Eastern United States where some dude made those. Yeah, yeah, East Coast thing, and they only were out for a couple years, but cool pickups, you know, cool strat kind of style and big necks. But yeah, there's there's little gems like that. Those are always fun to go after, man. Yeah. Well, dude, I mean, thank you so much for spending time with us today, Jay. This is uh, this is just a treat. It's so cool to, to chat with you about your shop and, and our shared love of guitars and stuff. Anything else you want to say before we sign off? Oh, this was the funnest part of my day, man. This is like, and you know how it is, you start geeking out about stuff like this with cats that are, you know, in the same thing. It's uh it's a joy, man. This is this is my world. I, I just want to thank you guys again for being a part of the early days and part of what made us what we are today, you know. And, you know, we're getting through these times that are tumultuous, to say the least. Yep. Our online business has really, like, jumped off the charts. Uh, unfortunately, I think a lot of shops have probably gone out of business, but people are buying online now more than ever i think just because maybe they have nothing else to do but it's the only way to really acquire anything we're kind of open five hours a day now and doing appointment only kind of stuff so anybody that's listening to the podcast if you really want to like take a little break and come out and take a peek around the shop see what's going on just call us up for an appointment and we'll we'll try to get you in and um it kind of looks like an Amazon warehouse down there now because most of our days filled with just pulling guitars off the shelf and boxing them up. So the whole shop's turned into a shipping and receiving room. But it's still a it's still a place to behold, man. So uh, I love it. Yeah, let's just all get through this. And if you really need a fix, give me a call, man. Totally. Well, I'm so glad that yeah that I think the online stuff is really the saving grace of a lot of the companies, and I, I'm glad that you guys have a good presence there and that you're able to withstand this. Is craziness. But yeah, man, for anybody, 
uh, we'll put a link on our site to Emerald City Guitars and, and some information. So yeah, don't hesitate. Go down to that shop. It's one of the coolest shops around. Jay's awesome. You're, if you love guitars, go down there. Oh, thank you, man. And yeah. God, keep up the good work on your uh, guitar talk thing too, man. It's or talk guitars. I'm sorry. <laughs> your podcast and Eric's fret files are about the only thing I, I listen to occasionally. I'm not a big podcast guy, but <laughs> you know. <laughs> First time I heard you guys, so these guys are perfect, like Beavis and Butthead or something. <laughs> guitars, man, because you guys just the way you play off each other, and I know your personalities. It's just so humorous, but yet I know that you guys really know your stuff. So it's uh, it's really a, a perfect little duo you got going there, guys. And I know you guys play great music together too. So hopefully you're maybe getting a little bit of that in as well. We are. Well, thanks so much, buddy. Chris, yeah. you got anything else yeah. to say? Thanks so much for being with us, Jay, and thanks to everybody else for listening. Bye-bye. All right, buddy.